Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Stella from Meeple University and Guff Studios, along with board game designer Takashi Sawada. Their new title, Floating Floors, is currently on Kickstarter, and man, does it look cool. Stella, Takashi, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Oh, it is great Thanks, to have That's you guys awesome. here. Uh, as I was saying, just before we got on air, um, sometimes it takes a bit to kind of put the dots together with different people that you're talking to. And <laughs> we've been corresponding uh, regarding this Kickstarter. And then when you sent your bio over, I'm like, wait a second, this is Stella from Meeple University. Oh my gosh, this is like just right up to now, even higher level than I expected. So nah. so happy to have you on the podcast and uh, we're going to get into it. Thanks for having us. You, you like, it's def- definitely not, you make it as big as, you know, not as big as that. It's oh, really you're a very humble person, <laughs> but I've been following your content for quite some time. So it's been, uh, it's, it's absolutely a pleasure to have you on this podcast. So Thank you were the co-creator of Meeple University. This is a YouTube channel. Uh, yep. I checked, you've got about 13,000 followers, which is quite impressive. Um, this started three years ago. I think your first episode was on February 21st, 2018. And it was interesting. It was your partner, uh, Tarrant, that did the first episode. Indeed. And he did a playthrough on Parade, right? The card game Parade, which I actually own. I actually love that game. I was introduced to that game over three years ago. (laughs) How did you guys start Meeple University? Like, what was the whole intent behind this? Was it more to start off, like, just educating people on how to play games? Or or, or how did it start? That's a very good question. And thank you for remembering our first ever video. That was really bad. I did not really that proud of it, but hey, you know, your first video ever in the channel is usually... Hey, the first episode yeah. of Board Game Binge was pretty rough too, so no worries. <laughs> uh, it was originally, we were just having it for fun. It was definitely just the passion. And I know yeah. that I noticed, you know, I was kind of like into maybe two years into the hobby, and which is board game. And I noticed that Taryn is really good at explaining things. So I was like, okay, how about if you explain... The things the games that we like on video and we just put it on the channel mainly just for us so we remember how it plays when we want to play it again so there was no no tripod no proper camera no lightings no microphone it was really bad and there you go that's our first video where we have that one of our favorite games parade how to play and that's it <laughs> and then the rest is kind of history and we've got other types of videos so yeah, yeah and it kind of evolved right and i mean there's there's you do a little bit of cosplay in there too which is kind of fun right <laughs> and uh, yeah. and the quality of the videos i mean of uh, i like i know you're um it's easy to kind of look back on and most people when they look back on the first video they started with right and look back and say oh it's kind of where i am now versus where it was it's, it was kind of rough mm-hmm. but you have to start somewhere Right. And yeah. I would say this to any yeah, content absolutely. creator out there, you literally can start uh, a blog, a, a channel with a cell phone. Right. Yeah. Uh, in yep. TikTok, it's even easier to do that now. Right. TikTok yeah. comes with an inherent audience, and the algorithms <laughs> actually favor helping you build an audience. So that's true. But it is cool to see how much your quality has kind of really stepped it up uh, over the years. Right. Like you guys have some very high quality production value now in your videos. At what point did the investment kind of started at what point did you kind of say okay 
this is something that's going to go, you know, a little bit longer term here. And, and, and we, we really want to up our game. When did that kind of kick in? Well, we always try to improve. So it's really like bits and pieces. So feedback from people trying to see, you know, what is, what can be improved, like slowly getting the tripod, getting the light, getting the microphone, yeah. try, me trying to convince Taryn to make a purchase. Uh, <laughs> the hardest bit but I uh, ended up just doing it anyway uh yeah so there's like this always improvement little improvements even now we um we're going to move a different studio this is like it's totally I should probably not say anything yet but we're gonna move to like yeah it's like the first time you hear about this uh James Channel the board game uh, board game bridge binge so it will be like a proper video so we're going to have like some proving proper stuff as well oh, cool. uh, so always always trying to improve uh from phone to three cameras now I'm sure yeah. I have more if Taryn let me <laughs> no it's not like you know we just like have to make sure that the other ones agree so there's not really a point um as such um yeah, just just all little bits and pieces, and and until now, we're like, oh, when did that happen? Type of thing, you know. And then, so when did Guff? So, and we're gonna we're gonna transition into Kashi here in a second. But so, yes. Guff Studios. Then, where did how did what was the genesis of that? Uh, because Mark, well, Mark Carter is the founder of yeah founder of Guff uh, Network in Australia mm. already, which has what is it, Takashi um, board game shops everywhere, like. Yeah. Branches, retailers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. retailers that's it and there's carl who's the uh, designer and has got game published and there's me so mark we had this conversation jokingly on the way to essen we be like next to each other on the plane and we talk about oh yeah maybe we should have you know a publishing company and so on and then mark was like oh, how about the three of us because we have different skills let's just put our skills together and then yeah like Guff. and by the way i've got orchard already lining up cool it was uh with one it was our first co-published orchard the solo game yeah uh, and then yeah that's that's from there that's it that's Guff. and then you also so Guff uh, started by co-publishing some games right so endless yes, winter yes. um yep. steamed up Steam which up. i mean very very popular titles obviously uh i don't think anybody didn't see those titles i mean the marketing was great yeah. it was everywhere yeah, yeah, yeah. right so congrats on that great, yeah. yeah so and then what was the the key decision factor to go from co-publishing to saying okay we're just going to straight up now publish games we're always in the hunt of publishing games there has always yeah. been our intention but we just want to find the right time but more the right game and this is where tech came in yeah i'll let tech probably tell so the story how did you guys meet <laughs> yeah tell me the story how you guys met tech onto you now oh on to me okay yeah. so uh yeah i'm gonna just kind of bridge from where you left off there stella um it was it's a bit of a funny story i was taking floating floors in the direction of self self-publishing for a kickstarter that's something that I was pretty certain on for a while. Um, and just to, I actually reached out to Stella, Maple University, to see mm. if they would be willing to do a how to play video for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, because I've been, I, you know, I'm a fan, I've been following the channel, and I was like, hey, these guys would be great, especially for the audience that I'm trying to reach out to. Um, 
greater than I expected. Uh, so we, we came up with a how to play video. And um, as we were just gearing up for that launch uh, a few weeks out, Stella reaches back out to me and she's like, hey, Tech, I've got some <laughs> exciting news for you and a proposition. <laughs> Um, and yeah, she introduces me to, to Guff Studios, which uh, I pretty soon find out um, that it's made up of Mark, herself, and Carl. Yeah. And uh, immediately I'm star-studded. I have known Meeple University for, for some time. Um, also, Carl has been quite active uh, in the uh, Game Developers Association for Australia. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's just awesome. Um, uh, you know, I'm grateful for Stella for making that connection, uh, but that's more or less how we how we bridged that gap. How we met, and you know, we discussed whether there was because it was a it was a pretty big pivot. Um, I was yeah. pretty close to hitting that big green button. <laughs> um, I'm so glad I didn't at this stage. Uh, yeah, but it was it was a big pivot, and we just you know um, educated our, our audience. We were, we were like, hey, you know, we've got some exciting developments uh, over couple of weeks and we yeah he's gotten out so while he were waiting for him to kind of reconnect um <laughs> what i would say is that i think that um that's a huge decision to make right when you have a game that you've been working on for a good chunk of your life right so my understanding oh, yeah. he's been working yeah. on this for 10 years and you're ready to launch right this is your baby and then someone decides that they're going to reach out to you and say, Hey, you know, uh, you know, maybe we can help you. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of people that, that have their games where they, uh, he's back that have their games. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just, let me finish this point. Uh, that have their games and they want to, um, it's their baby. And I had one colleague, colleague that was doing this and he's like, you know, I really just, we want to do it ourselves, right. Just because yeah. there's been so much time, energy and effort into doing that. And it's a leap, right? Uh, and it's a leap from two perspectives. One, it's a leap into probably safety, quite frankly, when you have you know a group of people that know what they're doing, that are offering to help you. But the others, the other hand, you're kind of letting go of a little bit of control, a little bit of kind of you know what you maybe have envisioned and having to bring other team members in. So, Tack, now that you're back, explain to me that decision process where you had to kind of balance those two. Oh, you phrased it so well, there, James. Uh, good to be back. <laughs> yeah, so um we're live <laughs> yeah we're live uh yeah no it is a big leap that's a good way of putting it um there it was that you know to a certain degree um no way of rewording it really that trade-off um in most cases uh when you're signing a game over to a publisher um so self-publishing i wanted to go the route of self-publishing because i felt like it was my baby you know yeah. that i've been caring for nurturing developing growing for the past few years and um i had a very specific vision as to how i wanted it to you know show up in the hands of people around the world if possible um to as many people around the world as possible and um it, it's largely due to um, i'm not sure when we'll have time to talk about it but, but kind of like a tribute um, mm -hmm. to something that I'm pretty passionate about um, or that I'm a fan of more so is Hearns' works, um, the Atori series. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that was that's kind of where the idea of the game came from. Um, and yeah, with that very specific vision, um, there have actually been other scenarios where uh, passing it on to another publisher ha have arose. 
and I actually rejected those. Um, yeah. Yeah, for yes, yeah. the reasons you've just mentioned, um, it, it seemed like, like it, we just weren't getting the traction that I was looking for. I wanted to see it um, arrive in the hands of people around the world, but, um, you know, time was ticking on as, you know, we're waiting for that to get play tested and for them to come to some sort of decision. And then if they did, you know, there's no guarantee that they'll actually put it out there. It just yeah. becomes a part of the, you know, part of the line. Um, and so it's like, no, you know, not doing this. I'm just going to self-publish. And it was only when I was having that conversation with Stella uh, where I felt a little more confidence in the idea that that Guff Studios had my best interests in mind sure. and the best interests of the game that I had in mind as well. Um, and we see that to this day. It's what, what we see on the shelf. It looks pretty. Um, it's been well-developed. It looks the cool. The There's game. no doubt about that. Just looking looks, at the game, you're like, this, cool. this looks cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the core of the game, all the elements that were originally there are still there. Um, and I couldn't be more grateful. You know, they've been consulting me the entire way through um, to this day. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's just been rapid communication um, back and forth. Whereas, you know, it's not something that you find every day um, when negotiating with a publisher. Yeah, sure. So can you why, like explain, how did you come up with the idea of this game? So, and, and there's, there's two parts of that. One is I want to know kind of the genesis of how you came up with the idea, obviously. But the second, when I look at a game like this, uh, it reminds me of other games I've seen, which are very much uh, abstract type games that aren't themed. And it seems like that this start may have started off as an abstract game that then you got clever and wrapped a theme around it. And I think that's where a lot of abstract games um, miss the mark, especially with Kickstarter, right? It's very tough to get an abstract game to fund on Kickstarter. And the problem with that is many of them don't have a theme, right? There's no kind of story. There's no narrative around it. It's just literally trying to figure out, you know, the abstract. So what was your approach coming into this game? Was that, is that how it happened or was it really the kind of theme was there from the beginning? Yeah. So it, I would say it's more so the letter. Um, <laughs> the theme has kind of always been there. Uh, so I've got this book in my hand here. Yeah. And it's, yeah, uh, I'd actually, it, it was titled a different game altogether. It was called Nightingale Ninja, mm. um, named after the book Across the Nightingale Floor and the Nightingale Floors in Japanese Castles. Uh, and it's, so the theme was there, but it was a very different game altogether. It was more like a dungeon crawler where you're going through several tiers of Japanese castle, trying to complete all these missions, um, whilst not to trigger the traps of the Nightingale Floor. So what is a um, Nightingale Floor for people that don't know what that is? Uh, yes. So Nightingale Floor, it was kind of a, we've got, um, you know, security systems in our homes and it was kind of the ancient security system of the time, yeah. or that's what the theory is. Um, so we all heard of Ninja um, to a certain degree and uh, these Ninja, you know, they, they were thought to carry out covert missions um, sometimes infiltrating, um, you know, somewhere within a castle um, or a temple maybe. And so these nightingale floors, um, they were constructed in a way to kind of, well, we know of creaky floorboards, but these tweet as if it's the sound <laughs> of like a nightingale warbler or a nightingale bird. Um, and, the, you know, how they mimic that sound is just uncanny. Um, 
but when you stand on these floorboards, these nightingale floors, they, they tweet like a, like a nightingale. So it's a very distinct noise. Oh, cool. And that would alert the guards, the sentries, um, to this intruder in the castle. Yeah. And that's the nightingale floors. Oh, that's cool. So then, and I'm showing this game to uh, like as an overlay here for people who are, who are watching, can you explain, so how do you play the game? So how did you kind of interject that theme into this game? It, it's very unique. I haven't really seen a game like this myself. Uh, there might be others out there, but one like this where you're having to actually build floor supports and then you're, you're trying to get the other players to kind of, make a wrong decision and, and tip over and, and almost entrap them can you walk us through kind of how you play this game yeah so not uh, floating floors not <laughs> floating floors um it's it's an interesting one and in that um, i want to involve a lot of trade-offs um with yeah. every decision that's made i wanted it to be as you put abstract um but thematic uh it's a game where you are a ninja uh, set out on a mission to reclaim the these bunsen targets that have been scattered across the landscape by the rival ninja clan um, and to do so uh, it's not as simple as just you know jumping from earth space to earth space what you need to do is you've got this terrain laid out in front of you a bit like a puzzle and you need to um, use these jutsu wooden tokens um, in a variety of ways to construct these they appear to be floating floors, but they're balanced on these jutsu, one layer of jutsu. Yeah. And the floorboards are color-coded to either the shadow or the light um, to mm. correspond with the color of your ninja. And it becomes quite puzzling that your ninja, being a ninja, can only ever stand on its color in order to remain camouflaged and covert. Um, so you need to hop from floor space to floor space to get to your targets. Um, but as I mentioned before, these floorboards, they're balanced on these jutsu underneath, right? Um, mm -hmm. In very specific locations, there's limits on each piece of terrain. Um, in some cases, you need to put the jutsu on the top of the floorboard to either counterbalance the weight of your ninja or for your ninja to stand on if, you, if it's like a rival floor space. Yeah, and that's how you construct the floating floors. And yeah, so the first player uh, to successfully retrieve claim all four of their targets wins. That's, that is cool. And the, when I, when I was looking at it and one thing I didn't catch the first time around, but now I've explained it where the, so the black player is basically going to play on the, the black squares you're playing the white. So you are actually going across different parts of the same floor. Yeah, right? that's right. It's all shared. And the way you set up the balance of the floor for your tiles, for your player may not work from a balance perspective for the other player. That's, that's yep. the intention. Right? That's so, yeah. so you're moving some of these supports, they're moving some supports and, and can you move the supports while someone else is on the floor and kind of force them off the floor? Uh, no, that's an interesting one. So you can actually, um, you can very easily sabotage the path of the ninja. And it's all a timing thing as well, yeah. um, where you, if you roll, you've got these jutsu dice, you, you get the right roll. You can actually, um, instead of picking up jutsu from the supply, which is a finite amount, you can pick them up from the board itself, from underneath floorboards to make mm. them less stable um, or from on top of the floorboards. And, but you need to do so without the floorboard actually collapsing, which would end in a penalty. Um, so doing so can make it that much more precarious for your rival to cross on that floorboard. Uh, so it can really get them into a corner. And then how does the, uh, the, so it's a two to four player game. So I can, I can visualize how two players work. So how does it work with the four players? 
Yeah, so uh, with three to four players, you've got a grid of um, three by three. So okay. it's a perfect square uh, of these terrain cards. And that's really the um, probably the biggest difference. Would you say Stella? Yeah. Yep, yep. Just to, then, just you know, three up. players is Battle Royale and four players either Battle Royale or two versus two team, which is fun as well. So two will be white ninjas, two will be black ninjas. Is that how you kind of set it up or? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. And when I see these puzzle-based uh, type games or puzzly games when you're when you're kind of figuring out how to lay it out, it often seems conducive to one-player games as well. Um, is that something you guys have worked through with this game? Like, have you are you guys in the process of doing like a like a solo mode for this game? Or love to have solo mode tech. <laughs> We're, yeah, we're getting a lot of questions on that. And you're yes, right, yes. Um, too often with these sort of puzzly games, it does kind of uh, almost imply in that direction to a certain degree, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I would be interested in. I think we, we toy with the idea. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what. I don't want to give any secrets if there's stuff already kind of in the works or some announcements coming out. <laughs> and uh, in this campaign, congratulations, by the way, it's already funded. So if there's if this sounds interesting to people, uh, I mean, it's not a question of you know is this going to fund? It's already funded. So now it's a matter of how much further past the funding goal you go. Um, when setting up the this particular Kickstarter. What was some of the strategies you guys employed? Uh, Stella, obviously you have a lot of experience in this regard with different campaigns that you've helped, you know, co-produce and, uh, and, 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 you know, even market and so forth under the dice tower. What are some of the key things that you really wanted to make sure was going to be in place for this particular campaign? Well, I actually mainly do the content, not the actual, like the Kickstarter page. Sure. Um, but Carl has some experience with helping, um, I think the Quillsiver, he also works with Quillsiver, which is a game developer company in Australia. Mm. Um, and yeah, so we both just put our hats together. We had help as well with uh, a Steam Up Hot Banana Games, the, the ladies that has the really successful campaign. So they have mm-hmm. helped us a little bit as well. And then we kind of like, um, yeah, they give us idea on the layout. So uh what you know which one is the you know which order it is and the um you know the uh, the review and preview that we had so we tried to spread it out and have um you know plenty of them around the world as well uh so it's kind of like you know it's always the same with nipple university it's always like learning process and keep improving and then see what works and see what doesn't basically, but yeah, I think the team helps. And I see one of the upgrades on the page is um, screen printed uh, Ninja Meeples. Yes. We've got literally four different Meeples, I guess. So two that are kind of encroaching positions and two that are standing up. Um, is that something that, um, so I, I guess this would help you identify who the different ninjas are. How do you tell the difference between them when it's like pre-upgrade was it is it just is there are the meeples marked in some way so with the the two white ones are they like are they different positions or how does that work just different colors and um you know for two players just different colors and yeah, for and four for players in yeah standing and crouching standing and crouching two different else. sizes yeah, okay yeah. cool yeah oh that's cool and then what about print and play is there going to be a print and play option of this game at all i think that had it early in the day right 
uh, but it's the early, early, early. Yeah, yeah, early, early present. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Maybe that's a, maybe that is a question also for for Gulf students on the team. Because like if um, we one more yeah. person asked me about printable, <laughs> I got it. Yeah, <laughs> we thought about it, but the thing is, you know, it, the things need to be balanced, and you know, the it needs to be not slippery. The paper needs to be right. Yeah, and because right. uh, it is a kind of like dexterity, it's a physics game, uh, if yeah. anything, I guess. So it needs to be work well with the components. Um, yeah and then how dexterous do you have to be to manipulate the pieces like the tiles seem fairly large so it seems to me that they should be pretty easy because i see one scene where you actually have to rotate them and so forth and place the different uh supports down was that something you guys spent a lot of time on just trying to figure out how to make this dexterity an element but not so much so that it, it becomes kind of unavailable to you know the the broader population yeah so yeah yeah that was that was really um years (laughs) of development (laughs) just trying to get that balance right um because for me i wanted to invoke a visceral experience for the audience for players where they could connect with what it might have felt like to be a ninja crossing those floors a ninja wouldn't just be like we see them in films you know like jumping from wall to wall and then suddenly vanishing out of thin air um that's all pretty exciting but i wanted to expose a world of ninja where there's a tactical mindset as well um i wanted to achieve that balance between like that tactical thinking that strategy that foresight that you would have need to had um in addition to that dexterity element and i wanted to make it accessible um, my primary play testers have actually been um well uh, family members for the most part actually my eight-year-old daughter um, <laughs> yeah four years old when i originally started the game <laughs> <laughs> so it needed to it needed to work both in both directions with my you know fat fingers and um with her very nimble um mm. but still you know working on that for those fine motor skills uh, back then um, and I've gone through several like different shapes, wooden blocks, different weights, um, different materials. I've used mm-hmm. metal, ceramic, um, and uh, from what we've seen, uh, uh, what we see in the current copy, where each jutsu is about a fourth of the floor space, um, and it's about like a centimeter cube, uh, that's, that seems to work pretty well. Um, it's just dexterous, dexterous enough um, for you to feel that kind of um, that trepidation when yeah. you're placing something down, but it's not going to make something entirely fall apart, fall apart unexpectedly. Um, you know, you can, you can still work the physics there. Yeah. And I noticed you guys are on tabletop simulator as well. How does that work when you have a game that's all based on dexterity and like, how did you guys work that? Yeah. The good thing is that it's in tabletop simulator physics still works. That's true to too. In- yeah. Yeah, tabletop yeah, it does not work. So we don't have it in tabletop yeah, unfortunately. But it kind of works and it makes it sort of like a slightly different game. We we mm. have played through on that as well, Tech, you and Cal. <laughs> uh yeah, it's it's different. It's like, I don't know. You 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 can explain it as well. How does it feel? You just click with the mouse. It's like mouse skill, I guess, like mouse skill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, but it's still stumble, right? Like your yeah. ninja still stumbles. It is like TTS actually mimics the physics very well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, well, I was thinking about that because I've built stuff in Tabletop Simulator, and like even if you tip the core or something, it will kind of tip over. So, although it's probably not going to mimic exactly the play of the game, yeah. it should give people enough of a feel, I'm sure, they can get kind of the idea of how it would work, then, I guess, right? Yeah. 
might be even easier, maybe just a yeah. touch because. <laughs> now, uh, you've got a, uh, your company's now called Gumboot, I guess. Is that the name of the yeah, your, your design company? So where, yeah. where did that name come from? <laughs> yeah, so um, it's, uh, yeah, a bit of a, um, an unusual story. Yeah. Uh, I was in the development of floating floors at the time. I was just sitting out in my backyard um, with my backyard chickens out there in front of me, squawking away. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just finished feeding the chickens, cleaning the coop. I picked up Gabe's, Gabe Barrett's um, uh, Kickstarter advice from the best in the world. Mm -hmm. book i kicked up my gumboots in front of me just sat back there and i was reading through this i was like i was looking for a name for a company um you know leading up to my kickstarter and i was like gumboot gumboot games we'll call it gumboot games and that was pretty much the origination of it <laughs> you know sometimes names can come from just the weirdest spots all right but it, it kind of works kind of sticks i guess right the gumboot so what is the plan uh for gumboot like are, like you've been working on this game for a long time. And as a developer, I'm sure that you have many, many ideas uh, that are kind of in the wings to, to work on. Are any of those going to be coming soon or kind of where do you go from here? How does this kind of play out for you? Yeah, I guess with Floating Floors is, um, is a real passion project, that baby that we've been talking about. Yeah, um, It's something that I wanted to, I, I have dabbled in a few game designs. Um, uh, for, for other concepts meanwhile um, but I find myself very quickly detracting from those and going straight back to floating floors um, and so in the end I've kind of just decided hey you know let's just see this through um, and you know I can get back on the horse with uh, some other designs in the works and more as a, a hobby at this stage yeah. Uh, but yeah I think the intention for Gumbo Games it's um it might be reaching out to somewhat similar audience to say Guff Studios, uh, mm -hmm. but I just wanted it to be like small, small footprint um, and very tactile and experience. Uh, we actually have the annual uh, gumboot throwing competition here in New Zealand, which mm. is where you literally <laughs> throw gumboots like an axe to see how far <laughs> you can get it. Um, that's also partly where the name came from. And I, I wanted to, I want that to kind of be a guiding beacon that I want that tactile experience, yeah. that connection with, with the scenery that you're playing in. Um, yeah. So I've got a, a couple of ideas still in my notebook there that are gradually being developed on, but yeah, and then would ex first. would expansions to this game maybe come first? Then would you say? Yeah, so that's pretty <laughs> tempting, I must say. Like, uh, you know, I've been I, I, I'm itching to get going with my publishing my own games for sure. Um, yeah, but expansions, um, I probably have more pages dedicated to expansion ideas in that notebook oh, yeah. than I do <laughs> of other designs. Yeah, I can just imagine. I mean, yeah. other people I've talked to that have games that are kind of puzzly, puzzly like this. Mm -hmm. Typically, uh, you know, a, a year later, there's okay. Here's a whole another set uh, of puzzles <laughs> that we're going to uh, to give you, and then maybe there'll be some other things added on as a mechanic. But um, certainly, there's uh, there's many different directions you can go with this game, uh, and uh, it starts with a successful Kickstarter, which you guys clearly have, and uh, you must be very happy with where uh, you've landed so far. I know that you still got like 14 days to go. Uh, you always have that huge hockey stick at the back end. The last 72 hours, it swings up. So it's all uh, all gravy from here. I want to wish you guys all the best of this campaign. I can't wait to see where it ends. I'm going to be watching it. And uh, all the best to you guys this year. And you take care. 
Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks so much, James. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. Oh,